0: Thank you, Russell. And our sermon this morning will be a combination of a number of folks from our community. Um, uh, uh,
1: um, I'm very happy I was able to attend the march for our lives two weeks ago. It was an amazing opportunity to see see people my age rise up and lead, and I think it should be an inspiration to all of us, not just our age, but just anyone as a people, but as I stood in that crowd, I couldn't help but think, what's next? What are our next steps? At heart, I'm a strategist. What are the next steps? What outcome will this result in? What can I do to alter a situation? And that's what made me think then. I believe many people today are going to talk about their experience that day, but instead, I'm going to focus on the future. So, what are our next steps? Number one, vote. I cannot say it enough. I cannot comprehend why people didn't vote in the past election. It's not just your right to vote, it's your duty. That's by far the most effective way you can cause change. Vote this November. Vote in the primaries. Vote for who you believe in. If your representative doesn't support anti-gun violence measures or is silent on that issue, don't waste your vote on them. If you can't head to the DMV to register, or if you don't want to go, I can't blame you, or a polling place, that's alright. Maryland supports both online registration and online absentee voting from the official.gov Maryland Board of of Elections. After, or before you've done that, you can educate people about gun, gun violence, statistics, information about shootings, and voting in the primaries, again. We have the power to change this situation. We have the tools to change this situation it's just a matter of whether we use it. thank you
2: at the march everything was so meaningful and put together that it was very overwhelming well everything was so amazing nothing really hit me hard while i was there but now looking back on the march i I, and really thinking about the meetings, there was one specific event that I'm sure pulled everyone's emotion, emotions, especially mine now. While there, all of the Parkland students were asked, asked to speak. All of them spoke of their experience in such powerful ways, but the one that affected me the most didn't even speak at all. Emma Gonzalez, who was one of the most recognized survivors, spoke of all the people she knew that had passed, but then she stopped and didn't speak at all. She waited six whole minutes in silence, six minutes of no sound. For six minutes, you would hear a pin drop. There were over 8,000 people at that march, yet the only sound that was heard was the wind blowing in the cold D.C. air. Why six minutes, you ask? It took the, sh- the shooter at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, six minutes to kill 17 people and shoot over 30. These six minutes have affected me in so many different ways. While at the march, I was interviewed by a couple high school kids who actually go to Hartford Tech down the road. They asked me at the march um, why I was there, and I told them, you never think it's going to be you until it actually is. When I go into school tomorrow, a shooter could just walk right in and kill 17 people just under six minutes. Shooters should not be able to walk into a school and take away lives before students even know that they had them. This is where gun control and security come into play. Six minutes have made my beliefs and willingness to fight for security and gun control stronger. I am willing to fight for kids' safety. 17 lives should not have been lost in six minutes. I may have not noted at the march, but those six minutes have changed my entire life.
3: Throughout our world, in just a couple years, there have been multiple school shootings and just shootings in general. And these shootings have brought up many opinions and debates and arguments. The one that has been um, very popular and to me the most moving is the Movement for Student Activism. This movement was something that brought up especially after the recent Parkland shooting. It was a pivotal movement where students began to project their voices at a deafening rate. They can no longer stand idly by while the atrocities of the world happening around them. I don't know. I know most don't think a shooting could ever happen to them, but the reality is we don't know. It could happen at any time. That's why these students are speaking out, so it doesn't happen anymore. The saying of our parents' and grandparents' day of children should be seen and not heard was no longer acceptable to students. Mm -hmm. Students needed to be heard and should be heard, especially in crises like this. It is the age of the Aquarius, it is time for change, and no longer can we stand idly by while the world self-destructs. The school, their opinion on safety and how they feel should be welcomed as this is how schools are improved. This is inspiring as it brings potential to help students let their voices be heard. Teachers, parents, and fellow students should encourage their voices to be heard. What would happen if students all kept their mouths quiet? Stifling the unique, diverse, and peaceful ideas of today's youth and tomorrow's leaders only serves to continue the same patterns that leave young people dead. Students' activism is students fighting for a change and saying this is our world too. You can't keep this hidden anymore.
4: I'm still a student even though I may not look like one. <laughs> Modern <laughs> part. Um, I'm going to say what I wrote here because i listening to the students' reflections. Um, as I was standing there in Washington, uh, being really proud of all of our kids and all the kids that were there, um, I couldn't help but remember I can do this, I to, <laughs> when the doctor came and told me that My daughter had cancer and it never dawned on me to walk away and say, oh well, the first thing we said was, what can we do? What can we do? I can't let this kid die and that was a foe that We didn't understand, but we still don't completely understand. But this one we do. All of us as adults, we can't walk away. We can't say, oh well. We know what the cause of this is. We can't let kids, people, loved ones die. This is too important to go on with our grocery shopping, to go on with our lives. We have to be brave, because these kids are braver than we are. And for that, I'm embarrassed. And I'm sorry. This matters, guys. Our kids, our congregation, we say that our children are our most precious asset. They are. They're the future. This is not about taking someone's hunting rifle away. This is not about a woman living alone in a city having a handgun in her drawer. This is about people making money off the backs of our children's lives. If you joined the NRA when you were 20 years old because you were a Boy Scout, this is no longer the same organization, guys. You need to take your membership and tear it up and tell them why. The only thing that matters to them is money. It has been a prostituted organization. It's not what they started out to be. I feel sorry for the people that started it as a hunting club. We can't feel guilty and defend that anymore. Our kids matter more. 0.5%.
5: 0.5%. That is, it. that is the percentage of my school that walked out. Now I know what you're going to say. What about before then? What made you want to do this? So let me back up a little. Six weeks ago I got a notification on my phone that the shooting had occurred. Truth be told, I didn't think much of it at the time. I was familiar with the concept of fake news, and I didn't watch live news on TV. Once I figured out this was real, all I could think is, wow, this country's in deep. As I looked more into, into what had recently happened, I came across the idea of the walkout. This was a symbolic form of protesting where you could walk out of school for 17 minutes because 17 lives were lost. Harmless, right? I thought so until the fateful day when the superintendent sent home a letter saying I shouldn't walk out. Looked at ACLU website, and it told me I had the right to walk out, but the school also had the right to punish me. The maximum amount of time I could get suspended is three days, so not too bad. Fast forward a couple days, I'm in third period, and it's 9.59 a.m. I tell the teacher that I'm walking out, and I simply walk out the door. Every step of the way, I am shaking. I am at the main lobby, and all four principals are there. I ask the main principal if I can walk out. To my great surprise, she says yes. By then, five or six other people show up, and we head outside. We stand right on the the other side of the door as the principals watch us. No one speaks, and it's cold. One of the other students sets a timer and when it goes off, we head back in. The main principal tells us that since class is still going on, she wants us to stay in the hallway until the end of the period. She asks us how we can make the school a better place. My suggestion is to have full-time resource officers instead of just for drop-off and pick-up purposes. After about 15 minutes, the bell rings and we head back to class. No one is suspended. The walkout was
6: simpler than I expected. I'd do it again. When we were at the march, it was an experience that couldn't be matched. I was so happy to be there, and I was also so proud of the kids that were four years older, or even three to five years younger than I was, standing up for what they believed in. That just makes me believe that there will be some change in the future and that I might be there to see it. It brings me such joy and comfort that that there will be a generation that can and will vote. And not just pick pers- pick a person and go about their day. No, they'll they'll listen to the news and vote for, for the person that they believe will make actual change to this country. The other thing is that is the way they got our attention. It was on live TV, not just DC was the only one that was on the march. There was these eras, there's New York, Florida, and another 800 different marches with millions of different people, of race gender, and sexual orientation, all coming together for, for the same cause to rise up to our government. And and I quote from one of the speakers, is to remind them that they work for us. So remember to stand up for what you believe for, so so your voice can be heard. And if they don't hear you, change the country yourself.
0: You. <coughs> I participated in the Vietnam War protest in Washington on November 15th, 1969. That protest had an estimated at uh, half a million people, the largest anti-war protest in U.S. history. It took place on the National Mall. The march for our lives was along Pennsylvania Avenue, which may have had more people, but it definitely had less space. We were packed so tight that a photographer and his assistant from CBS News were stuck in front of us and couldn't get to the stage. As far as I could see down Pennsylvania Avenue, it was packed like I wanted to mention that youth in our fellowship also protested before the Iraq invasion. That was in 2003, February, I believe, 15 years ago. That protest was in the tens of thousands, and you just had this sense that nothing would stop President Bush from going to war. It felt like we were wasting our time. In contrast, the March for Our Lives protest felt exhilarating. I think it was brilliant planning on to have only young people speak. There were adult performers, but the speakers ranged in age from 9 and 11 to 19, and they were all articulate, authentic, and heartfelt. Instead of listening to boring politicians, we were humbled by these young people and their experiences. When they spoke, all the signs were lowered, as you can see in one of the pictures that we were showing before the service. And when Emma Gonzalez stood silent for minutes to to make a point, you could hear a pin drop. One of the wounded survivors from Parkland, Samantha Fuentes, was struggling with trauma and panic attacks after the February 14th shooting, but still had the courage to speak. She got sick to her stomach, but the crowd was patient and supported her. And she was able to come back and not only finish her speech, but to lead an emotional happy birthday for one of her classmates, Nicholas Dorrit, Dwar- who would have turned 18 on March 24th but had died. In school. Too. I'm hopeful that we have reached the tipping point on gun control. What's different this time is that the focus is not on the shooter or even the victims but on the survivors. Just as the Vietnam War was a potential was a political awakening for my generation, so gun violence is a political awakening for this generation. Let us commit ourselves to this cause so that years from now we can look back and say, We were there when young people led the way with marches and walkouts. That was when positive change began. That was the start of reclaiming our democracy.
7: On March 24th, 2018, I attended the March for Our Lives in Washington, D.C. When asked to speak about it, I was stumped. It's hard to write about something like the March because it's the kind of thing you need to experience for yourself to really understand. The March for Our Lives was the biggest student protest in American history. I think I can safely say that being a part of this movement has been been the most empowering thing I have done in my life. When I arrived at the march, the streets were already packed with more people arriving by the second. When the actual event began, we were right in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of the street. It was so tight, you were pretty much touching people on all four sides. There were big screens displaying the stage placed across the street. Where I was, I could barely see the screen if I craned my neck. So we decided to fight our way closer to the stage. After about an hour of getting bumped, jostled, and trampled, we were able to get a spot on top of a planter, which was about three feet off the ground. From there, we could not only see the screen, but the incredible size of the crowd. From our spot atop the corner, we were able to observe singers and speakers say their minds. The speech that stood out the most to me was Emma Gonzalez's. She read the names of the victims of the Parkland shooting and observed a moment of silence for them. She stood on stage for six minutes, 20 seconds, showing the amount of time that the Parkland shooter fired for, killing 17 people and injuring 15 more. During the moment of silence, not only was Emma silent, but for the majority of the time, the crowd was silent. Over 800,000 people, and it was dead silent. Over 800,000 people, and all you could hear was the wind. I cannot even describe just how incredible it was. During the moment of silence, Gonzalez stood on the stage, a defiant look on her face and tears streaming down. As a student, especially as a student about to enter high school, I have many opinions on everything that has been happening. I may not know everything about it, but I do know this. Every time the bell of the loudspeaker dings, indicating that it is about to come on, my first thought is that it will be the principal saying that there's a school shooter. That should not be where my mind automatically goes. Attending the march for our lives was the most empowering thing I have done in my 14 years on the earth. And I know now just how incredible it feels to be a part of something bigger than me and to stand up for what I believe in.
8: on March 24th in Washington, D.C. was like nothing I have ever experienced. It was my first march, my first protest, and it was organized and driven by kids my age. As a 15-year-old with so much passion and drive to make the world a better place, I felt almost comforted to know that I'm not alone. Kids my age, maybe a bit older, even younger, got up and spoke in front of hundreds of thousands of people about witnessing gun violence and being directly affected by it. I felt so incredibly empathetic, empowered, angry, and upset all at the same time. Imagine sitting in silence for almost six and a half minutes, not knowing what was going to happen to you, your friends, classmates, or teachers. All you know is that your school, your home, is never going to feel like a safe haven ever again. But what struck me the most is that these 16-year-olds organized a national event started a huge movement and took political action when the adults weren't willing to. I've always thought it important that kids my age have opinions and a stance, because we're the future. And this huge event proved this correct. Emma Gonzalez is the future. Jackie Corinne is the future. Cameron Kasky is the future. Alexander Blake-Wind is the future. I am the future. Students everywhere are the future. We are the future, and we are the ones who get to shape our nation and the world.
9: of gun violence in the United States is not in a simple absence of proper legislation. Rather it is in the way the government, specifically the legislative branch, works. We live in a representative democracy so representatives are supposed to represent their constituents' interests. However, this is not so because of the power of lobbyists in the legislative branch and gerrymandering, but that doesn't really matter. Even when the majority of citizens agree on an issue, it often doesn't reflect in legislation because of lobbyists. Take pennies as an example. The vast majority of people in the United States, regardless if they're Democrats or Republicans, agree that pennies are stupid. (laughs) It costs (laughs) one and a half cents to make one penny. It doesn't doesn't take a genius to see the problems. So why do we still have them? Multiple other countries have gotten rid of their pennies without any problems. The answer? Penny lobbyists that get money from a zinc company. It's as simple as that. Now think about this. When is the last time that you heard about the zinc lobbyists? Probably not very recently. But when is the last time that you've heard about the NRA? that you see the problem. If some random zinc lobbyists that you've never heard of can prevent the government from fixing a really simple problem, then it's no wonder that we can't get Congress to pass any gun control legislation. It doesn't matter that the the, the majority of Americans agree on basic gun control. And it's not like we can change the way the government works either. Think about the Electoral College. Like things many people agree that it's ridiculous, but it'll be impossible to change because it benefits the people in power. So what do we do about gun control? Young people have potential. Because they tend to be more open-minded, and uh, it's more likely that they'll be less influenced by lobbyists and more influenced by their constituents. So, electing younger politicians to Congress will provide a greater chance for the gun control issue to be solved in the United States. People,
0: can we have an amen? Amen! Amen. Amen. What's more? Amen. Amen! ¡Sí!